want to welcome everyone listening to us to part two of Principles and Promptings. Thank you for downloading this. I want to carry on where I left off and I want to read to you an example of where principle and prompting were working together. Because what I don't want you to go away with is the notion that actually there's no such thing as a Holy Spirit who prompts us. Because there is such a thing as that. That there's no such thing as God speaking into my heart. All I, you know, all I really need is the Bible. Actually, we do have a living God. And he does have a voice. And he does talk to us. The issue is how much of that do I have in my spiritual diet as opposed to how much of reading the scripture do I have when it comes to making decisions. In other words, what should be my default setting? If I am offered a promotion at work, what is my default setting when it comes to making the decision, should I take that promotion or not? Now, I know for many people, the default setting will be, what is my wife going to say? But let's just leave that to one side. Let's assume, let's assume that you have a mechanism. What's your default setting? Is it to go to God and say, Lord, I'm going to go to church today, and I want someone in the, con- uh, someone in the church, in the congregation, to come and prophesy over me. Behold, there's a door in front of you. You should go through it. And I say, Amen. Thank you, Lord. I go home and I take the job. Or is my default setting to ask myself a set of questions about what this job is? Why am I being offered it? Am I being lured by the love of money? What will this promotion do to my blood pressure? What will, if I take this job, will I have to move house? And all of these things will we have to make decisions. And I want to show you that it's possible to live a life of principles and to govern your life by the principles of the Word of God, and also be moved by the Holy Spirit. And I want to give you an example of Paul having this exact experience. So, here we go. Acts 15, verse 36. Let's let's begin this. Acts 15, verse 36. Sometime later, Paul said to Barnabas, let us go back and visit the brothers in all the towns where we preach the word of the Lord and see how they are doing. Simple. Now, notice what it doesn't say. It doesn't say an angel of the Lord appeared to Paul and said to him, Go, my servant, to the towns and the villages where you preached and strengthen the churches. That doesn't happen. Paul thinks of it all by himself. Now, maybe this doesn't apply to anyone here, but actually there are some people, particularly in kind of charismatic Pentecostal churches, where they feel that they're not actually allowed to make any decisions by themselves. That only, it must be God telling me, you know, what what to do. But in fact, here, the apostle himself uses his head and thinks to himself, we've just been on a missionary tour, we planted churches all over the place, 
Lystra, Antioch, Iconium, uh, Derby, and lots of others. What we really ought to do is we ought to go back and see how they're getting on. Now, that's not rocket science. That was Paul's principles kicking in. That the word of God said in the mouth of Jesus, go and make disciples of all nations. So Paul thinks to himself, okay, I've got to make disciples of all nations, therefore I should go back and I should strengthen what I started. Now the point I'm making is, God didn't tell him to do this. But the word of God told him to do this. Perhaps I should put it another way. The Spirit of God didn't tell him to do this in an individual, miraculous way. But the wisdom given to him by the Word of God did tell him to do it. I.e., he was making a decision based upon a principle, not upon a prompting of the Holy Spirit. Go and... You know, go and visit these churches. He never said that. But Paul knew that that's what he should do. Now, I want to advocate to you this school of guidance. That you should know the principles of the Word of God. You should know what the Word of God says about your need for prayer, your need to be a giver, your need for fasting, your need for forgiving people, your need to share your faith your need to not love money, your need to to look after your family. All of these things, you don't need the Holy Spirit to tell you to do that. You don't need the Holy Spirit to come and tell you to love your husband. You don't need the Holy Spirit to come and tell you to love your wife. You don't need the Holy Spirit to tell you you should show up at work on time. You don't need the Holy Spirit to, to tell you you really shouldn't be taking a sickie. And there was a deep sense of guilt across the room as a whole lot of people who were supposed to be working today. You shouldn't need God to tell you that, should you? You should know that. Because it's already written down. You don't need Gabriel to come and say, you really ought to be at work. You shouldn't need God to tell you to be a generous giver. You shouldn't need God to tell you to share your faith. Now, there are times when there may be some specific guidance. But generally speaking, you, you, you should just live your life in the Christian way, by principle. So, let's look at what he does. And we're picking up now in verse 6. So, Paul, Acts 16 and verse 6. Paul and his companions traveled throughout the region of Phrygia and Galatia. Having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. So here, a prompting kicks in. Do you understand? He goes on principle. I'm going to go and preach in Asia. So here he is traveling around Asia. But while he is in Asia... By the way, it doesn't mean he couldn't enter Asia. He's in Asia there, just, to, for, just for your geographical knowledge. It's, it's not that he wasn't allowed, his passport was rejected when he got to Asia. He's in Asia. But while he's in Asia, he's kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in Asia. 
In other words, he went on a principle, but as he was going, the Holy Spirit began to guide him. There are people who are waiting for God to guide them. And I want to give you this simple instruction. Get going and God will guide you on the way. The Holy Spirit, who misquote Bonky perhaps, will not pull you out of your armchair. You have to get going, like the apostles did. But when you get going, that's when you can expect there to be guidance. Because the Holy Spirit goes with you and starts then to shape your life's journey. But he can't shape your life's journey if you don't get going. That's not how he works. He shapes you as you move forward. I said last time, many of us believe it, we're terrified of missing the will of God. And so the will of God is a maze. And like one of those, you know, like you might get in a garden with those tall Hedges, and if you just go the wrong way, that's it, you're out. But I believe that God is so passionate about His will being done. If you love God, you are going to be in His will. If you will obey the principles of the Bible. If you discard these principles, you will find yourself lost. But if you keep these principles as best as you can, then those little bits of information that you don't know, he will sort them out. Because 99% of what we need to know is here, is it not? Can you say amen? 99% of what we need to know is here, if we just read it, it's here. But there is a 1%, there is a 1% where the Bible does not say, Behold, thou shalt marry Derek. It says you shall go out with joy, which has confused many young men in a youth group. But there are certain things it just doesn't say. But I believe this, if we will get going, if we will apply the principles and get going, he'll guide us. So he, he's not allowed to preach in Asia. And now look at verse 7. When they came to the border of Mysia, they tried to enter Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them to. It must have been really hard to have Paul as your pastor. Boys, it's Asia. Here we go. Oh, it's not Asia. Oh, where else might it be? Hang on, boys. I'm a wise pastor. I, I really am full of God, you know. Where should we try now? Let's try Bithynia. Yes, boys, we're going to Bithynia. We're going to Bithynia. Yes, pastor, we trust you. You're hearing from God. We're going to Bithynia, boys. Ah, no, we're not going to Bithynia. Uh Uh-uh, you can't get in. They don't let him in. He didn't have a work permit. I don't know, but he didn't get in. What must his companions have been thinking? Who is this really, Paul? (laughs) maybe there's a guy impersonating him because we're going all over the place and he's getting the the will of God wrong all over the shop. But I want to tell you today, he didn't get the will of God wrong at all 
Because the will of God told him, go and strengthen the churches. So that's what he did. And while he was out there doing it, the Holy Spirit was able to guide him. Now what's amazing, then he has a dream. It's amazing that, you see, the Apostle Paul, he was so fixed on working for Christ, getting the gospel out there, he had to be unconscious before God could speak to him. You think about that. He has to be asleep. And during the night, verse 9, Paul had a vision of a man of Macedonia standing and begging him, come over to Macedonia and help us. You can imagine him waking up in the morning. Boys, it's Macedonia. And they'll look at, is it? Okay, let's go. (laughs) But we'll probably be coming back here sometime soon. And he has a vision, a vision. Watch this, watch this. I've mentioned this before, but it's fun. He has a vision of a man. A man, a man. What was he? He was a man saying, come and help us. And then over the page, they get there. And uh, it's verse 14, they arrive. And who should respond but a woman? You imagine the boy saying, now Paul, we did see a man. Are you sure? This woman, I think this woman's just, she's just faking it. She's not really being converted because you saw a man. Well, we learned something here about dreams and visions. Don't take them too literally, even when they're from God. Because Paul's vision was a man. When he got there, he ends up at a lady's prayer breakfast. When the Jewish people went into exile, they lost their temple and so they started to, when they're in Babylon, they started to meet by the river. And in Babylonia, the Jewish people, they met by the river. By the rivers of Babylon, where we sat down. And oh, we wept when we remembered Zion. I'm quoting the Bible, not Boney M. They met by the river. So when Paul goes, he, he sees a group meeting by the river. He knows why they're there. They're religious people. So the Apostle Paul moved ahead with the principles of Scripture. And as he moved ahead with those principles, the Holy Spirit began to prompt him. So he lived a life by principle. His default was principle. He didn't wait for the angel to talk to him. He didn't wait for the Holy Spirit to talk to him. He got himself going. But while he was going on the way, that's when the Holy Spirit began to mold him and move him and take him here and take him there. And it seems to me, can I just say this? It seems to me that in the story, it wasn't, probably wasn't Paul going, no, I don't think we should go there, boys. I think circumstances, listen, listen so carefully now. Circumstances stopped him going into these places. And God will do the same for you. You're upset because you didn't get that job. Well, maybe you weren't supposed to get it. Amen. You're upset because you haven't sold your house. Maybe you're not supposed to sell it yet. You're upset because he didn't want to marry you. Well, thank God he didn't. Thank God he didn't. Because God will engineer circumstances. I'm just writing this article yesterday. I'm amazed that God 
wants Mary and Joseph in Bethlehem. Do you know, the angels are flying in and out of Mary and Joseph's life. One appears to Joseph, another appears to Mary. And angels are in the, are in the family too, showing up with Elizabeth. And her husband, you know, who wasn't able to speak because he didn't believe the angel. Angels are f- flying in and out. Just, just watch this. But in all of that flying in and out, they don't say to them, you need to go to Bethlehem for Christmas. Uh, you know, they didn't call it Christmas, but you know. It was Caesar Augustus who got them in Bethlehem for Christmas with his census. Caesar Augustus, he wants to know how many are in his imperial Facebook tally of friends. How many people have I got? So he orders a census and the Christmas couple, they have to go to Bethlehem in order to register. That's how God got them there. I want to tell you, God will get you where you need to be. If you would be a lover of his, you won't even have him talk to you. You won't even need to have someone pull you out of the crowd and tell you. You'll go, if, you, if you're dead, the river will take you where you need to be. If you're dead to yourself, you're dead to your desires. And I know we all struggle with that. But if you can live a, a sacrificed life, if you can say, I die every day, I'm, the life I live, it's not mine, but I live by faith in the Son of God, I've been crucified, then God will take you where you need to be. You won't need to worry about him talking to you. I find comfort in that. So the Apostle Paul was guided. I, can I make a confession? I need to make a confession. I remember when I first became a Christian. Someone gave me a Gideon Bible. Have you got a Gideon Bible? You got one? Do you know that in the Gideon Bible, there's a page at the back or at the front. And it says this, where to find help when. Um, do you know the page I mean? Some of you do. It's a little thing. It's in the contents and it says, do you need help? Go to this page. Where to find help when. And when you get to the page, it says where to find help when you are depressed or drunk or I don't know. Uh, I don't know who the Gideons give these books to. Uh, when you are uh, out of work, when you are sick, when you are grieving. I remember being so excited. Just, just hear my confession a minute, because this is terrible, what I'm going to say. But I'll do anything to get the iPod hits up. <laughs> I remember going to that page thinking, ooh, ooh, it's, it's the answers. To all my questions. It's the answers. Where to find help when? Lonely. Ooh. Where to find help when? Not having much money. Ooh. That's all excited. And then when I got to it, do you know what it was? Just a load of scriptures. And do you know, As an immature Christian, I thought to myself, I don't want scriptures, I want answers. 
Where to find help when you're a bachelor wanting to be married. Okay. And what I wanted to find was her name, (laughs) postcode, date, time, and approximate weight. (laughs) Of me, not her. That's what I wanted. And what did it do? Took me to some psalm that says, Rejoice always. Thanks. Where to find help when worried? Ooh, amen. I'm always worried. What's it doing? Matthew 6. What does it say? Do not worry. Great. I thought I won't, I got the wrong page. (laughs) Because I thought guidance was, I I was just training the Bible. No, I was just training astrology for the Bible. I was just exchanging the need to know the future. Thinking that if I just picked up the Bible, I would know all about my future. Just settle this right now. You don't know your future. And you never will. There. We can all relax. It may not help us. Even God says, I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. And and then we're reading it. Well, tell me them. No. I know the plans. You don't. I know the plan. And you know what? If he knows the plan, then that's all right by me. Amen. Because maybe if I knew the plan, maybe I'd mess it up. Oh, he gives us a clue. Their plans to prosper you, give you a hope and a future not to harm you. We get a, a, you know, a rough idea. But we always want more information. Well, when? How? How much? You're going to bless me. How much? Are you going to bless me this year? Because I'm thinking about getting an HD telly. And I'll get the HD signal five years later. That's a male joke. You see, live by principles. You don't need to know everything. But I promise you, if you love God and obey His word, that's when the Holy Spirit will come and guide you. But the problem we've got is because of the immaturity of believers, we end up with a group of believers who want to be guided without principles. But when you keep the principles, you, you start to get the promptings. God starts to um, fine-tune things. Let me... Move on to this. The secret of receiving accurate divine guidance is to reprogram the human conscience to the ways and word of God. I want to finish just with this this principle. The secret of receiving accurate divine guidance is to reprogram the human conscience to the ways and the word of God.
you have something inside you that actually determines a huge amount of what you do in life. It, it fires your decisions, it fires your values, and it's called your conscience. You have a conscience. Everyone has a conscience, Christian or not, religious or irreligious, everyone has a conscience. In fact, the conscience kind of upsets atheists because they have to kind of try to account where it comes from. And they can't really, so they have another banana and think about it. They're good for your bananas. Atheists should have them a lot, they're designed for the human hand, right? points towards you and all. It's even got like, you know, like, like the Coca-Cola cap. It's even got one of them on the top. Everyone has a conscience. The secret of becoming a mature Christian is actually to reprogram your conscience to what Jesus says. I.e., you start to instinctively obey him. Your conscience tells you how to think what to do, how to respond. Someone hits you in the street, do you hit them back? Your conscience, you might want to hit them back, but your conscience says, no, I won't. You want to lie to somebody. And as you're lying to them, you get all, your palms are sweating and you start shaking. I'm telling you the truth, honest. I can't look you in the eye, but I'm telling you, because your conscience is convicting you. And you must have, this will be five minutes worth hearing. Listen to this. You must have a conscience that is directly tuned in to the Word of God. If your conscience tells you that you can live how you want to, then of course you will be a sinner. Because you will program your conscience to say, well, I know the Bible may say this, but I'm going to live like this. On the other hand, your conscience may be programmed with a very angry, harsh God in mind. In which case, and I mentioned this a few weeks ago when we were talking about the Garden of Eden, when you do sin, your conscience will condemn you. I've sat with a number of people who are in great distress over what they have done in the past. And they want to know, is God convicting me? Or is the devil accusing me? And the answer, most of the time, is neither. It is their conscience that is convicting them. The conscience is saying, you've done a terrible thing. And that's why we have to get our conscience and tune it to the Word of God. So that when I am tempted to break one of God's commandments, I don't need Gabriel and Michael to appear in front of me. They're the angels, by the way, not the people who live in Swindon. I don't need angels to stop me. Watch this. Don't, I'm not a heretic, I'm, I'm, honestly. I, don't, I shouldn't even need the Holy Spirit to talk to me. I shouldn't even need a verse of Scripture to come to my mind. 
I should have a conscience that knows the word, lives the word, obeys the word. Amen? Equally, when I, if I fall, if I'm not quite right with God, if I'm not quite right with the world, I should still be able to come before my Father and worship Him because my conscience tells me He's a loving and forgiving God. The Apostle Paul didn't need a word from God and he didn't really even need a scripture to take him into Asia to preach. His conscience told him, this is what needs to be done. Is this in the Bible what I'm saying? Sure. Here is a promise from the prophet Jeremiah. Chapter 31, verse 33 I will put my law within them. This is God speaking. And I will write it on their hearts. And I will be their God and they shall be my people. Jeremiah said there's coming a day when the commandments of God are not going to be on stone only. There's coming a day when the commandments of God are not just going to be on paper only. Or on a screen. He said there's coming a day when the Holy Spirit is going to write the laws of God Right into people's hearts. I've called it today the conscience. You can call it what you like, but the conscience is also a biblical word used by Paul in Romans. That right in uh, the very center of us, I know how I should live. I know that I should forgive. I know that I should love. I know that I should be the best husband I can be. I know that I should be the best father I can be. I know that I should be the best citizen I can be. I know that I should be the best employee I can be. Or employer. I know that I should be the best Christian I can be. I know that I should be the best Christian leader I should be. Not because God told me, but because it's become part of my conscience. God wants to take his word and put it right in the center of your life. Let the word of Christ Dwell in you richly. And like that sower who went out and sowed a seed. And the seed fell in good soil and produced fruit. Thirty, sixty and a hundredfold. So are we before the Lord. And I tell you this. If you'll do that. If you'll do that. The amount of times that you will have a real need for God to come and talk to you will decrease and decrease and decrease. It's not that God won't talk to you, but He kind of won't need to. Because the principal way that He's guiding your life has been established in your heart. He's taken his laws and he's written them on your heart. My sheep, said Jesus, know my voice. Our God is a God who speaks. Our God is the God of the Holy Spirit who ministers, gives us direction. Guides us from time to time. But can I encourage you to put away childish things? 
Don't look for the next step of guidance to come. But get going with what you know to do. And I promise you, the Spirit of the Lord will guide you in your journey. And you will find yourself in the center of his will. I say all the time, if God really came down and spoke to us, do you know what he'd say? He'd say, Lord, give me a word. Please tell me, just tell me something. He would come down and he'd say, I just want you to get on with what I told you to do in 1989. (laughs) You have heard the word of God. Let's get going with it. Amen. Do you get something out of it this morning? Let's stand to our feet. I wonder if the worship team would come back today. Hallelujah. to allow your conscience to be programmed by God, that's something you have to do. And so we're going to finish by praying together that God will help us in our lives to put the Word of God right at the center, the center of our thoughts. I just throw this out for fun, but it's true. If you want God to be at the center of your life, there's only one way to do that. He has to be at the center of every day. It's just mathematics. It has to be the center of every day to be at the center of your life. And if you want the Word of God to be at the center of your life, then the Word of God must be at the center of your day. It must be part of your day. I said last week, it's not my intention to launch a Bible reading program among us. But I tell you, if you want God to speak to you and be guiding you in the center of his will, you might want to save yourself hundreds of pounds flying to some prophetic conference in the States and just pick up the NIV again and read it. And let the word of God dwell in you richly. Let's come before the Lord. Let's lift our hands and we're going to pray and worship him. We're going to worship him. Phil, if you can come back and just be ready just to take over from me in a minute. Hallelujah. Why don't we lift up our voices? I tell you, there's a wonderful anointing of the Spirit. Just swept through here earlier. And I believe he hasn't gone home. I believe he hasn't gone home at all. So we welcome you, Lord. We welcome your presence and power to be poured out upon us, Lord, as we conclude our time together. We do welcome you. We welcome you. We we want you to be at the center, Lord, of our lives. Forgive us, Lord, for chasing after winds and whims. God, we want you to, we want your word to be want your word to be in us. Let the word of Christ 
dwell in you richly, says the Apostle Paul. This is our desire. So all across the room, if you want God's will to be done in your life, I want you to ask him afresh. So Lord, will you just guide me, guide my family, guide my steps. We, Lord, we want to be in the center of the will of God. We don't want to miss it. We don't want to miss it. So Lord, please guide us. Please guide us. Please guide us. Come on. Let's lift up our voices and ask him. Ask him. Lord, may your fire fall in this place. This is my desire to all. 